The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash earnings right now. NetSuite.com slash earnings. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Travel Genius. I'm Mark Elwood. And I'm Nikki Eckstein. We're the Travel Geniuses. Yes, we are. Today we're talking about one of the peskiest parts of travel. Something that so many people get wrong, even when they're trying so, so hard to get it right. Tipping. Plus, we'll be joined by a true travel tech trailblazer. Try saying that ten times fast. Her name is Jillian Morris, and she's not only the founder and CEO of the super innovative airfare search site, Hitlist, she's also got a front row seat to all of the best ideas coming out of the travel tech community in San Francisco. All that and more on this episode of Travel Genius. Mark, I'm sure there's a lot of people that you've tipped along your travels. Porters, bellhops, concierges, safari guides. I feel like this list goes on and on and on and on. But, okay, have you ever thought about tipping your flight attendant? Do you know, it's interesting. I have tipped my flight attendant with coupons that, as a frequent flyer, Delta sends me and says, exceptional service, give those to these people, and they get real money. But if I had to fish into my pocket and pull out a couple of crumpled dollar bills, it would kind of take away the glamour that I'm trying to embrace when I travel. There's also something I think very controversial about this idea, which is a big topic in the news right now. Um, It's in the news because Frontier Airlines, which is one of the smaller U.S.-based carriers, um, they've actually started adding gratuity lines whenever you swipe your credit card on a plane, right? So just like when you go to a restaurant, you can now decide to give your flight attendant, you know, a 15% tip on the gin and tonic that she took out from her trolley. <laughs> you see, I want to know, I want to know if anyone listening has flown Frontier and been presented with that tipping line and what they opted to do. I haven't had that happen to me. Where Neither have I. I've been asked. And do you feel, as the flight attendant stares down at you, says, would you like to tip me? Do you feel slightly pressurized? Well, the, the whole thing is so awkward that Frontier, the, the system that they use to run a credit card, little handheld card reader, um, a flight attendant actually has the opportunity on the screen to disable the feature that would allow you to tip them. Because even the flight attendants, I think, feel a little bit compromised or unsure of their their stance on this issue as a whole. Some of them take it with great offense from what I've seen on Twitter. They say, I'm a trained professional. I keep your life in safe conditions. I'm not a waiter. I'm not or a, a waiter. See, and I, this is when we talk about offense, it's interesting, the minefield of tipping. Let's talk about Japan, first of all. Let's get it out of the way. 
Japan is the weird exception in the world where essentially tipping is worse than not tipping, right? Oh, absolutely. It's offensive to give somebody a cash tip, just like these flight attendants might feel slightly offended depending on who they are. Um, in Japan, it's absolutely taboo to give cash but as a tip. you can give something else, can't you? Yeah. So when I traveled, I, um, I went to just like a, a nearby New York City kind of iconic candy shop and I picked up a couple of cute little boxes that I could bring with me as tokens of gratitude. And that is seen as not just acceptable, but really appreciated. So a little gift. Absolutely. Than... Now, let me tell you, I'm sure no, none of our listeners would do this, but let me just sketch out a moment of another thing not to do. So we're sort of saying don't tip in Japan. And here's another way not to tip. The GM of a very fancy uh, Asian hotel once said to me, let me tell you about the worst way someone can tip. He said, I had an American guest come into the hotel and take out a $100 bill and rip it in half. (gasps) And he handed it to the front desk clerk and he said, you'll get the other half at the end of my stay if the service has been good enough. Oh my God. So essentially he turned what was supposed to be a gesture of thanks and goodwill into a threat. So I think people think there'll be a playfulness, and I I hope none of our listeners have done this, but I have heard of this before, that sense of this tip is yours if I deem you worthy. I've got my eye on you. So again, never do that. Well, this all kind of goes back to the spirit of tipping, right? Tipping should always come from a place of genuine appreciation. And my feeling is that anyone who contributes to really impacting your your journey, who has created memories for you, whose service you will come away appreciating in the long haul. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter if they're a flight attendant or if they're a porter or a housekeeper or the person who's at the front desk of the golf club. If that person made an impact on your trip... It's worth expressing that in and, some way. And you always you always leave a little note with your tips, right? I do. So, for instance, when I'm staying in a nice hotel, I always feel very conflicted about the, the right and wrong ways to tip even something as basic as housekeeping. Um, I don't love the idea that if I leave a lump tip at the end of my stay in cash, there's one housekeeper who can come in and take that and take all the credit for all of the different people who've been in my room servicing my stay. Um, it's tipping I, bingo, basically. It's like well, yeah. you get the full house because you checked out, you checked that room out. Exactly. So, so I like to, um, I like to tip when I check out. I do all of my tipping all at once. I like to get names of people that I've spoken to, whether it's the the bellhop who brings my luggage up or whatever. I like to get their names and leave a, a little note, even if it's just you know, thank you. Ricardo for impacting my stay or making my vacation smoother and I just leave you know whatever five bucks ten bucks whatever whoever it was whatever I want to give them at the end of my stay leave it all together and the reason I would always do it at the end of the stay but in that way is you want to leave local currency. I think we assume because the greenback is a global currency that it's okay to to leave 20 bucks. But some countries, China has a very restrictive monetary policy. So it is hard for local people to change dollars into renminbi. So if in doubt, really, unless you're caught short and you just don't have anything, 
leave your tip in the local currency. It, yes, the people will be grateful for dollars no matter what, but you might be surprised how difficult it is in certain countries for them to turn that into cash they can spend. You can also charge a tip at the end of your stay if you're um, if you're at the reception desk, or you can have the hotel go through their cash drawer. So basically, you're telling them, put a you know $20 charge on my bill, but give me $20 out of your cash drawer, and I'll put that into my tipping envelope. So there's a a lot of reasons why tipping at the front desk makes a lot of sense. But yes, exactly like you said, Mark, tipping in dollars is not super practical for the person on the receiving end. And I would say I spent uh, about five years ago, I did an enormous project on tipping and I talked to dozens and dozens of GMs from hotels around the world. And they gave me some numbers, which I think are very helpful. We distilled it down. And if you're worried, here's a very, very good broad brush. Two bucks for your doorman or your bellhop or the equivalent is totally fine. Five dollars a day for the room attendant. Any more than that is you're overdoing it. Don't overdo it. Give your driver 20 bucks a day because the driver will probably be going to and fro. And if in doubt, in any other circumstance, leave the equivalent of 10 bucks. If you follow that, it's a good rule of thumb. Except in where? Restaurants. Um, This is something that you just always have to Google ahead of your trip and just know. I usually have, um, I'm a big user of Google Keep, which is kind of like a scratch pad that Google runs in, you know, kind of parallel to Docs or Sheets or any of those tools. Um, And I I just use it to have little checklists for etiquette wherever I'm going or for things like, you know, how taxis work in my destination. So I kind of have a little checklist of local protocol for every trip that I take. And this is the number one thing that I always look up is what is the restaurant tipping etiquette? Because some places you just round up. Some places it's 20%, like in New York. It varies. The other thing I would always say, one thing that all those GMs said to me, which stayed with me was, if you default to your own culture's habit, that will probably be okay, except in Japan, obviously. But when an American travels... The local experienced local staff will probably expect an American to behave like an American. So if you're worried that you're doing the wrong thing, if you tip the way that is intuitive to you, people will understand that you're doing it because it's your culture. And I think, you know, in America, I've lived in America for a long time. I don't know anyone who tips as well as Americans. So no one will be unhappy if you tip American style. Yeah, this is always a good fallback plan. All (laughs) over generosity is never going to be seen as the wrong thing to do. So talking about the wrong thing to do, tell us, Nikki, who have we got joining us today who always does the right thing? Well, it depends, Mark, because I know that a lot of the right things that she does give you a little bit of agita and we're going to get there. But today we've got Jillian Morris, who is the founder and CEO of a super cool flight search site called Hitlist. It's really just all about making airfare shopping a more personalized endeavor, which I think is totally out of the box. She's got a lot of really interesting ideas. And Mark, I don't know if you're going to think that they're all the right ones, but they are cool, out-of-the-box ideas. So her ideas might come out of left field because she's on the left coast. We have Gillian dialing in from our Bloomberg offices in San Francisco today because she's always on the road. So let's bring her in. So welcome to Travel Genius, Jillian. Before we dive in, there is a procedural rule, which if you've been listening, you probably do know. Do you know all about what we're going to tell you? What we're going to tell you right now? Is it about the dings? 
you get a point for knowing about the dings. Yes, indeed, no pressure. But Nikki is just grinning ear to ear because she got to hit her bell again. <laughs> I know that you've got a ton of amazing tips up your sleeve. Jillian and I go back quite a bit. We've worked together um, kind of picking apart the travel tech world for many years, kind of professionally and I, I'm just so excited to chat with you, Jillian, today. Thank you so much. Um, let's dive right in. I, I want to talk to you about your packing strategy because I've seen you like fresh off of a plane before and you've never had luggage with you. Yeah. So I've been doing this now for the last three and a half years. I travel with only my purse. I'm pretty obsessed with just getting down to the absolute minimum amount of stuff. Uh, and I have to say there's a, one caveat, which is if I'm going skiing or somewhere like aggressively wintry, I do have a duffel bag, but I ship that in advance and then I ship it home so I don't have to carry it with me. And I'm just always traveling with just this one little purse that converts into a backpack. And I think one of the main things you have to minimize shoes and minimize toiletries. So as a woman, I basically have one pair of heels or dressy shoes and one pair of everyday walking shoes that I can work out in, but are also cute enough to sort of wear for a casual office day. I mean, I work in tech, so I mean, most people are just wearing hoodies and fleece vests. So I'm, you know, the standard is not too high, but, um, it depends on the weather. So if you're going to be in something where you know it's going to be over 85 degrees, the dressy heels, the dressy shoes can be sandals, which is great because that takes much less space in your bag. If it's anywhere between sort of 45 and 80 degrees, I just go with a standard set of heels. And if it's going to possibly be below that, then I'll have boots with a heel. And between that, you know, you usually can cover all situations if you get a nice neutral shoe and that saves a ton of space in your baggage. And then toiletries. I just think it's crazy that people carry their toiletries around everywhere because pretty much everywhere you go, if you go to a hotel or you're staying with friends, they're going to have shampoo, conditioner, soap, body wash. There's no real reason to carry all that. So what, what Jillian, tell me, I'm just worried about deodorant. <laughs> Aren't you worried that your personal confidence will be impeded by having to road test a deodorant on the fly? Tell me, tell me, assuage my nerves about oh, deodorant. Oh, I'm so glad you asked because there is this amazing deodorant I discovered relatively recently, but I've been really putting it to the test. And it's from Lush, the bath, yeah, most famous totally. for the bath And it's their Aromaco thing. And it's just literally a chunk of what kind of looks like really tough soap. Uh, and I just leave it wrapped in the paper that I got from them. And I've sort of, so there's no, for those of you who are eco-conscious, there is no plastic waste whatsoever. And it's just this block and you put it, I put it on directly after the shower. So my skin is still a little wet and that helps it glide on huh. a little smoother, but it works so well. It has a very pleasing natural scent, doesn't have any aluminum or all those terrible things that deodorants often have. Uh, yeah, the aroma. Oh, my God. And then uh, and then tell me also about the backpack that turns into a purse and vice versa, because I'm curious about that. Well, so I think a lot of travel packs are I mean, I'm a denizen of the one bag subreddit, which has a lot of tips for minimal packing. Ooh. There's also this. Uh, <laughs> Pause a second. Pause a second. Don't lose the never, point. Never heard of that. Tell us about that one bag subreddit, because I already want to lose myself yeah, in that. For me hours. too. Oh, I mean, it's it's great. It's on Reddit. So you just go to r slash one bag. And 
It is full of tips for the best gear. The trouble is it's pretty much dominated by backpackery types and men. And as a woman who is a businesswoman, I really want to, I need to be able to have stuff in my one bag that I can also go on TV in or go on stage at a conference or have a business meeting and not feel like I'm And you always look great, I have to say. Thank you. Like I would never know. I would never (laughs) know that all of your stuff like folds up into a purse, essentially. Yeah, well, you get really versatile things. And also fabrics are key. So uh, cashmere, merino, silk, all these, they just don't pick up smells very much. So I Hmm. really don't want to sound gross, but oftentimes for most of my clothes, I just hang them up at night and then I wear them again and I wash them once every two or three weeks or something. Um, sorry, like I wash my underwear all the time. But have you, heard, have you heard of a brand called Unbound? It's a it's like a T-shirt brand. I think you'd like it. Oh, man, Nikki, I want to give you a ding. Yes! She was going to give herself a ding, but I'll no, do it for her. No, I wasn't going to give myself no. a ding, Mark. Please, my <laughs> yes, head was nowhere near that buzzer. Yes, she don't lie. Um, no, I got my husband some of these T-shirts. They don't, they're about to come out with a woman's line, but they have a really popular men's line. And um, my husband is a surgeon, so he's constantly wearing like a, a just a plain T-shirt under his scrubs in a very warm operating room. And so this is something that's good for him. But also he uses them when he travels and it, they are guaranteed to never smell. So let, I was going to cool. say, let me move us on because I'm, I'm fascinated. You do something. You pack something that I always pack, Gillian, which is nice stationery. Tell me why. Oh, I love this. Tell me why you do that, because I I, I love hearing that I'm not the crazy retro person. Well, I just think, and this was kind of the way I was raised, if you go to dinner at someone's house or if you stay with someone's house, you should write them a thank you note. And I started doing that, and I also love to send postcards to people as well. Yes. And I, I really did this mostly just because, I don't know, that was what my my parents taught me to do. But then I found that it's had this incredible effect where it makes you much more likely to get invited back to places. (laughs) Um, And so I end up having, you know, it really seems to bring so much, uh, I want to use the phrase spark joy. Um, it, It brings so much joy to people and it takes so little effort on my part. So I love doing that. It doesn't really take up any space in my one bag. And then the other thing that's kind of fun is if you have time to go to the post office in the country that you're visiting, it's often a really interesting lens into the country. You can sort of see how the bureaucracy works and who goes to the post office. I and, love and, this. Uh, I love this. What? I'm giving you a ding. <laughs> oh, I love this. And yeah, what, what's on the stamps and all this. It's, it can be really fun. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us, made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE.
to us about what you call a playover. Ooh, uh, this is, uh, I don't know if anyone else uses this term, but I think it should be in the lexicon. So six Let's to make 20, it a thing. <laughs> six to 24 hour layovers. So if you are flying through somewhere and if you're going on a long journey, it's really painful to be in transit with a layover that like this short layover that you're in the airport and you're just kind of miserable waiting for the next thing or shopping at the totally characterless duty-free shops, which are the same all over the world or spending too much on airport food. So I love to schedule these playovers where I can actually get out of where I have enough time to get out of the airport. And it's going to depend a little bit on the city, how much time you need to be able to do that. But I've managed to do some very, very quick ones. Like in Tokyo, I, I got in at like five in the morning and I went and went for a run in the Imperial Gardens. And this was also a sort of crazy extension of my one bag experience because I went with a run with my bag on my back and then went to the Park Hyatt Hotel, which is the one in Lost in Translation and used the spa to freshen up and then went and got ramen in Tokyo Station, took the bullet train back out to the airport in five and a half hours just saying you really got around but yeah, I was say, what i love what i think you did there which i think is very clever and i've always thought about this if you're trying to freshen up a layover a spa access is the perfect alternative to early check-in if hotels can't give yes. you early check-in you can book in for the cheapest spa appointment and goodness me so genius did we did, did i get that point, mark Nikki? got a point mm-hmm. mark got for a sure. point thank you well, well t- i'll split it i'll split it with you jillian but i, I do <laughs> think that the spa is a great way of hacking the inability to have an early check-in and then you get a lovely indulgent treatment to, to boot it's a oh, nice absolutely. way to welcome do you take any considerations into account when you're trying to plan these like tokyo is a great place to do this i think because the airport's very efficient so you know when you're coming back your security line is going to be efficient you, you're not going to have to worry too much about clearing customs and immigration and things like this because that airport runs like clockwork do you do you listen do to is our, there, hang is on there, hang on listen to our tokyo remember we have a really good episode about japan <laughs> if nikki has wet your appetite continue nikki. is there a subreddit for airport efficiency that you like to look at no, I mostly just go off. I, I do I do some research, and it's true. I mean, I normally would not leave the airport on even a five-hour. like that. That's why I say six to 24 hours. Okay. But if you can schedule something that's like 16 hours or 24 hours, it's also really cool because it's a mini vacation. You get to experience a city you might not plan a full trip to, or and you can get a taste and say, okay, well, I've seen pretty much as much of Helsinki as I think I probably need to, versus, uh, or, oh, my God, I just fell in love with Helsinki, and I'm going to plan an amazing trip trip back here in the future. Uh, so it's much better to have a little bit, even in overnight, can be really fun. It's the it's the travel equivalent of a flight of drinks. So when you're having a little snifter, oh, you I love try that, which one you yeah. want. Wait, so Jillian, have you have you heard of a site called Skiplagged? I'm sure you have. Oh, absolutely. So do you do you like it? For those who are listening and haven't heard of it, Skiplagged basically helps you book airfare that schedules in a playover, and it theoretically saves you money by doing it. But there's been some controversy about whether it's whether they do it in a way that's actually legal according to code of conduct for airlines. So I'm curious where you well, stand on that one. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say Skip Lagged helps you schedule playovers because Skip Lagged is mostly about helping you get point to point for cheaper than you would normally pay for the full fare. So, for example, I want to fly New York to San Francisco and. That flight is $400, but because there's some promotion, there's actually a New York to San Francisco to Seattle with that layover in San Francisco. And so Skiplagged is helping you figure that out, that you can book the 
same flight New York to San Francisco and pay less and just not get on your last leg. Okay. Um, which is, it is definitely illegal. It is against mm-hmm. the airport's uh, terms of carriage to intentionally do that. I am not going to confirm or deny that I have done this in the past. I'm such um, a goody two-shoes. You're just giving me so much anxiety, Jillian. It's the deodorant. It's the skip lagged. <laughs> I'm just going to leave this, this session I like, say, with my anxiety ratcheted up. I, I would say it's something in in very occasional circumstances I've felt. And, you know, as someone who works in travel technology, I feel like skip lagged is kind of making the industry sit up and modernize a little bit because these a lot of the way route pricing works is super outdated um, and more complicated than it needs to be. So on the whole, I am pro sort of skip lagged as a disruptive force and as occasionally a really oh, great just hold money my saver. Hand. Somebody hold my hand. Um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, but I, I want to say one more thing actually about playovers, though, in terms of how to find them. Uh, Google Flights is okay. really great. And Kayak also has this thing where you can actually specify how long you are willing to lay over. Oh, cool. And so I think their slider works both ways. So you can also say, I want to lay over at least six hours, which Mm. is quite fun. I I like that. And it's also really great in case you end up having any travel disruptions on the first leg. You might end up losing the playover, but you will get to your. You're more likely to get to your final destination at the time you planned, which is usually the more important thing mm. anyway. You can that's forego smart. The fun. That's really smart. So there's an app that you're using recently, and I just learned about it earlier. Well, I guess I was, I was going to say earlier this year, but it was last year. Now that we're in 2019, Trip Scout. I I've started playing with it, and I ha- I. I've, I think I've started to appreciate it, but I, I would be curious how you use it, if you can tell people about it, because I have a feeling you're much more familiar than I am. Well, so I having I started a travel company myself, and I'm pretty obsessed with trying out all the new travel apps that people are, are building. And so TripScout, I met the founders a couple of years ago, so it's still quite early and it's changing quite rapidly, but it's a thing that I've seen many times before, which is one of these sort of downloadable uh, uh, tour guides and highlights of a city. Even TripAdvisor makes something like this. But I found TripScout just really has the right editorial line in terms of including highlights that are just the standard things that you should see in the city that Mm -hmm. are like the you know, all-time world-class things, but also some really interesting, quirky things, but they don't overwhelm you. So you... And everything is on a map. Like, it's very easy to browse around. Yeah, and you can get a sense. um, There are audio guides for a lot of the cities. You can download all of this stuff so you can see it offline. So I actually really love to sometimes download something, and then when I'm on the flight there is when I start getting my greater orientation to the city. And they've also... They keep on developing these new features around making it easier to track where you've been and share tips with other people and I'm really excited by by just the way the team is executing where again I've seen a lot of apps in this sort of tour guide space uh, or make the most of your trip but trip planning but I really think this one stands head and shoulders above the competition I love this recommendation you have about if you're not a particularly extroverted person what you should do to kind of dig deep into a destination tell us about that Jillian well, I I think the 
signing up for a cooking class or a dancing class or just anything that's going to have you interacting with people directly is a really great way to get involved. And I think it's cheesy to say, but, you know, the greatest souvenir you can have from any trip is a new friend. And so finding a way to connect with people that's not just sort of a random train conversation, although I've had wonderful friendships come out of random train conversations, (laughs) but having a shared activity is, is a great way to meet people and go a little deeper. How do you find these things? Well, there are a few uh, brands that I've come to trust. So there's something called Traveling Spoon, which is... That one's all food oriented. Yeah. Yeah. That's just around shared meals, but they're starting to do. uh, There's Feastly uh, and Eat With. I think Eat With... These are all for kind of communal dinners, right? Yes, exactly. Um, So I think these are great. And also just Viator and TripAdvisor, you'll occasionally find things. But you do want to do a little research. I, I found with the TripAdvisor or the Viator, or like the sort of standard retail ones, you uh, it can be a little hit and miss. One thing that I actually think is a crazy aside that most people don't consider anymore is couch surfing because couch surfing is not just a website for finding a place to crash on someone's couch, which is intimidating for many people. But it actually has a whole community around it as well, a very active one. And they often plan events as well. So happy hours in various cities. And I've been on Couchsurfing. You know, you just I was in Beijing. I joined the Beijing thread and someone said, oh, I'm, I want to rent a car and check out this section of the Great Wall that is a little harder to get to. And most tour groups don't go to. But my friend said he can show us around. Anyone else want to join? It's 20 bucks a person to rent the car huh. if we get five people. So I went How and met up with some strangers. <laughs> Our snob button is activating. What Nikki means is, I don't want to be stuck with people I don't like all day. No, but also, I mean, how do you control for the level of an experience that you're getting? Because there's such a range with these things. She also means I don't I don't either. So tell us, Jillian, tell us, tell us how you learned the hard way. Admit to us a mistake you made <laughs> and what you learned from it on that. Oh, gosh. I mean, I find... The only mistakes I've made have been to join like large organized tours where they plan your itinerary the entire time. That drives me nuts. I can't handle that type of travel. Um, But with for couch surfing, for example, it's you can see the profiles and people have testimonials and all this for all the people who are going to be there. I think Airbnb experiences is probably the same way. I've heard a lot of people have really great times there and you can see. You can read more about the hosts, but you just just read reviews. I wish I had more of a silver bullet, but read reviews, take a risk. There's a chance it doesn't work out. But like I said, the there are certain brands that you learn to trust. I feel like you are especially trusting of everything that comes with the sharing economy and these kind of progressive, you know, tech based platforms that sometimes Mark is making the funniest face right now, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Everything you're talking about horrifies me. So I love being proved wrong. But this comes with your nature as a tech entrepreneur in this world. And I know that you are just jam packed with a ton of amazing tips that I would love to have all the time in the world to get to. But I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about Hitlist, too, which is your company. 
I think you guys are doing some really interesting things in terms of how we shop for airfare and how you think that that's going to change in the near future. And I'm always so mind blown when you talk about this topic. So we just need to get there for a minute. Um, Talk to me about personalization of airfare shopping, because I think that's like the red button topic of the moment that you know the most about. I am so glad you asked. So Hitlist is an app that I hope everyone listening downloads. It's on iOS and Android, and it alerts you when flights drop, when airfare drops to places you want to go. And it works and, like a charm. Yeah. So unlike a standard search on Kayak, where you might be thinking, oh, I just want to go to the Caribbean for a long weekend this winter and get out of New York's frozen whatever. Uh, what is that? Arctic Oh, God, we had a polar, polar vortex. vortex there we go. Of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and if you go to kayak, you know, you have to sp- search for a specific destination and a specific time. With Hitlist, you can just say, I want to be alerted when there are cheap flights to anywhere in the Caribbean for a long weekend, or even this subset of islands within the Caribbean. And so there aren't a lot of tools out there to make these more broad queries right now. And there are sort of reasons why it's really hard to develop them. But Hitlist has been around for five years now. And we we really try and get to know you as an individual better so we can understand why you're searching for something. Because we understand that a trip is not, you know, you're not buying just an airfare. You're buying an entire journey experience. And it might be that you are searching for flights to Miami because you want to go to Miami to see a friend, or it might be because you're searching for flights to Miami because you want to go see a band. Um, and Or you might be going to Miami because you just want to be somewhere warm. And if we understand that context about you, we can say, well, did you realize that that band is also performing in Charlotte, which is actually a pretty cool town. And if you really just want to see the band, you're going to have a much better experience in this venue. Or if we know that you're there just because you want to see your friend, um, you know, say, well, you could go a different weekend and it might be a cheaper flight. So it might be a trip that you get to take that you wouldn't take otherwise. So just understanding more about what people are searching for and why. So within Hitlist, you can put in like, I'm going here for a girls weekend or I'm going, you know, uh, you can put in these flexible parameters. So we get better and better at serving you the flights that are you know, maximizing the chance that you'll actually be able to travel and we'll find something within your budget. Well, I'm just, I can't wait to travel using Hitlist and no bags and maybe <laughs> sleeping on someone's couch. I don't know the if I Jillian can do Morris it. The Jillian Morris method. I feel like, Jillian, I'm going to try and do it like you. And if <laughs> I manage, I will be so proud of I, myself. I think the net net of this episode is that Jillian really is the Marie Kondo of travel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also a clutterbug, so that's what it is. But anyway... Thank you so much, Julian. Thank you for joining us all the way down the line from San Francisco. And we really thank you so much for having this me. Has been Such a pleasure. So to chat. much fun, Julian. Thank you. Okay, Nikki. So how did Julian do? Actually, I think we all did quite well today, right? I think this was like a brain trust episode that that just was filled with great tips. We got five dings out of the conversation among all of us. Mm-hmm. One with for teamwork. <laughs> teamwork. One was for the joys of post offices around the world. Two, well, 
One was for the joys of post offices around the world and extolling the virtues of stationery. Kind of a combined tip there. Two was for the One Bag subreddit, which I have never heard of, but will apparently help us pack like Jillian, middle name Marie Kondo, travel genius pro with her take no luggage approach. Three for Google flights and kayak filters that help us schedule playovers, a word that we have officially coined and are going to make a thing. Hashtag playover. Hashtag playover. Four... A tip for Mark, spas are the best way to circumvent a check-in that is not convenient for your schedule if you need to get into your uh, hotel earlier than they want you to. Mm -hmm. And five was for T-shirts that are smell-proof, sweat-proof, and... So don't need washing. ...infinitely reusable if you are a Marie Kondo slash Jillian Morris-style underpacker. Or or Nikki's husband. Or my husband. She vouches for it almost firsthand. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Travel Genius. I'm Nikki Eckstein. And I'm Mark Elwood. Do you have a favourite travel tip or hack? Or do you have thoughts on one of the tips we discussed today? Please let us know. You can call us at 646-324-3490. And maybe we'll even play your tip on the show. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at Nikki Eckstein with three Ks and no Cs. And I'm at Mark J. Elwood with a K and two Ls. And remember that's 646 324 3490. And if you are a fan of Travel Genius, I hope you are, please take a moment to rate and review us. It really helps new listeners find us. This episode was produced by Topher Forges. Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts. Thanks for listening. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.